right, everybody. Well, been talking about it uh, all week for the last couple of weeks. We're super excited to have my pastor here. And we just want to uh, welcome him and receive from the Lord this evening, as we so often do. I, I know that Zayden already mentioned it. I want to mention it myself, that this oasis in the middle of the week to receive from the Word of God, that's our highest expectation. And so let's all welcome Pastor Mark as he comes on up. Good evening, everyone. Good to be here. It's your last uh, November, and you guys are definitely in a boom town here in uh, Bluffton. Uh, I grew up in Huntington Beach in Orange County, Southern California, and uh, in 1960, Huntington Beach had 15,000 people in that small little town, little beach town with a ton of oil wells everywhere. Ten years later, in 1970, we had over 150,000 people. And it continued to grow from there. I don't know how many there <laughs> at this present moment, but um, it's always, you know, I can remember as a kid growing up and seeing housing tracks, every, you know, it's left and right, left and right. And uh, you guys did it right. You guys got trees between, you got uh, down the street, you got trees and then housing tracks behind them. So it looks a lot better. Anyways, much more beautiful here, gorgeous setting. Love to come and uh, blessed to see what the Lord's doing. Heard you guys are uh, having second services on Sunday morning. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I, I really believe God is, you know, as long, as long as the Lord tarries or waits, I think God is going to do great things here in this town and uh, set a foundation through Calvary Chapel, Low Country. So. Good to be here. We're going to be in several portions of Scripture tonight. If you can uh, follow with me, I'm going to turn to, well, let's go before the Lord in prayer first. And then we'll turn to Scripture. Father, we look to you and we ask God that your spirit would speak to our hearts, Lord, from your word. And God, we are so utterly dependent upon you. And we look to you tonight as we cast our cares upon you, as we set our affections on things above. Lord, we pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts and minds, and God, that we might be better prepared to serve you and to bring, to bring forth fruit, Lord, to your glory, for your kingdom. And so we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you turn with me? to Daniel chapter 12, Daniel chapter 12, we're going to be looking at the first verse in just a minute, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. For those of you that are still in school, or uh, if you remember back grade school, junior high and high school, studying synonyms, hard to, it's hard for me to even say that word. Synonyms and homonyms. Uh, homonyms are words that they have the same spelling, but a different meaning. And so if, for example, I use the word bat, uh, you might think I'm speaking of a Louisville slug or a baseball bat or a vampire bat, one of the two. 
or I, if I use the word bark, I could be talking about the bark on a tree outside or the bark that's coming from the neighbor's dog. Right, turning right directionally, or you're right. Hey, as far as your opinion on that, or you've got the facts right. Think of the word second. There are 60 seconds in a minute, but the word second could also mean that I got second place in a race. So these are some homonyms. You know, think of the word well, a well of water, or from a standpoint of health. Are you doing well? And when we think of the second coming of Jesus Christ, you know it's interesting because Christians often speak of the second coming of Jesus Christ in reference to two completely different prophetic events. The second coming of Christ at the end of the tribulation and the second coming of Jesus Christ before the tribulation for his church, for us, you and I, as the bride of Christ. And that is our blessed hope, isn't it? We're looking for him. And we're to, as we see the signs, as we are experiencing in these last days with our own, we're seeing with our own, with our very lives, the things that prophetically Daniel spoke of, the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints, Paul the Apostle, John the Apostle. So as we're looking at these things, it's vitally important for us to understand that there is a difference. The Bible makes a difference between the second coming of Jesus Christ and the rapture. In fact, the rapture isn't spoken of scripturally. Technically speaking, the rapture isn't referred to as the second coming of Jesus Christ. So technically, it's important to understand that there is a difference. It's important to understand biblically that there is a difference. More important that you understand biblically that there is a difference. So I want to look at those differences tonight. And as uh, we're going to be looking at this verse in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, in just a moment, in reference to the second coming of Jesus Christ, realize that at the end of the tribulation, when man's government over this planet comes to an end, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come from, it tells us in Matthew, as lightning shines from the east to the west. That's the direction our Lord's going to come, by the way, in the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's going to come in the eastern sky. The sun will be blackened out. The moon will turn to blood. The stars will be put out. And the only light in our universe will be the light of Jesus Christ coming in that eastern sky. So that is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that's what Daniel is going to be referencing for us here in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Notice what he says. At that time, a specific time, shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people, which is obviously Israel, the Jews, and there shall be a time of trouble such as was never since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, the Jews. The Jews will be delivered at that time along with the tribulation saints. But Jesus Christ is coming back to save the Jews there at the Battle of Armageddon. He is going to intervene in that battle 
and he is going to rescue the Jews at that time from certain defeat. So Daniel tells us here, as he records it, and at that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in thy book. Now, there's a difference between the deliverance of the Jews at the end of the tribulation and the deliverance that we have as God's people, our blessed hope. That is the rapture, the gathering together of the body of Christ, where, you know, even as the body of Christ, the church, we are called the ecclesia. That means the called out. We are called out. Our very name, who we are as the church, it, it's even a reference, in a sense, to that which is our future hope. We are called out of this world. We're not to be, but we are going to be literally called out. And so having looked at this one verse, um, I think it's important to understand that what takes place here at the end of the tribulation, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, is preceded by what takes place in Revelation chapter 12. So uh, if you'd like to follow with me, I'm going to go to Revelation at this point. Revelation chapter 12. In Revelation 12, we see Michael again. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. So this is in the tribulation period. And it says, And there was war in heaven... Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels. That's obviously the devil, which is, uh, he explains that to us as we continue. And prevailed not, speaking of the devil, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Notice in verse 12 it tells us, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. See, the devil lost the battle in heaven with Michael, and then the reference in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, is the battle that takes place when he's on earth, and he's once again intercepted by that great superhero, Michael the Archangel. Michael, he's the, and the definite article, Michael the Archangel. Only one of those guys. One Archangel, Michael. And he's definitely, you know, a combination, well, uh, you think of Iron Man, the Hulk, uh, Spider-Man, Superman. You know, he's, you get the picture. Uh, and, and, and he does some thumping in the, uh, in the tribulation period. But uh, notice, so there's this battle in heaven. He loses, he's cast out, he comes on the earth, and he causes nothing but trouble on planet earth. And then as there is that great battle, the last battle on this planet, the battle of Armageddon, once again, as the Jews are in, uh, they are in peril, in extreme turmoil, Michael stands up, and, and then the Lord, uh, following that, returns. But uh, Daniel tells us that this is the worst time on planet Earth, that there is no time that can possibly be compared to it. And Jesus made reference to this passage. Now, for Daniel, looking back, now he's, he's seen the history of the Jews. He knows the future history of the Jews, and he's told that it's going to get worse for them. 
which would seem impossible. And you think of all the horrible things that have happened, not only Jesus, but the planet Earth. Uh, worse than the flood. The tribulation is going to be worse than the flood. It's going to be worse than the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's going to be worse than World War I and World War II. It, 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 there's nothing, it, just as Jesus said, there's, there's nothing that we can compare it to. And it is the worst period of time in the history of man. However, for you and I as God's people, and before I go any further, I want to make this very clear. I am a pre-tribulationalist. I know Mike's a pre-tribulationalist. You might not be a pre-tribulationalist. That's okay. That's fine. You know, it, it never bothers me when other people are wrong. But uh, you, you can still be a wonderful brother or sister in Christ. And you know, I'm just kidding, but um, you get the picture. I'd like you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 4.17. You know, there's really, you can't go any further. So it's, speaking of the, as far as the rapture, you can't go any further until you've touched on 1 Thessalonians 4.16 and 17. So let's go to 4, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, and we'll look at those two verses, verse 16 and 17. So the rapture of the church, the second coming of Jesus Christ for the church, is a completely different event than the second coming at the end of the tribulation. And the confusion of those two events has led to all kinds of weird and bizarre teachings, doctrines, as far as uh, perceptions of that which is you know, connected with eschatology and future events. So as we consider the rapture itself, First of all, one thing that throws people off so often is just the word, rapture, because it's not found in the Bible. But notice what it tells us here. I get a turn there. I'm still in Daniel 12. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, this is the, this is the passage that we reference when we use the term rapture in the sense that, well, from a grammatical standpoint, going back to the, you know, the Latin and the Greek, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, notice in verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Notice that he doesn't actually come to planet earth in the rapture, but he meets us in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The four words shall be caught up, actually one word in the Greek, it's harpazo. And the word harpazo, it means just, you know, to be snatched away by force, to be caught up. It is, in the Latin, it is rapimer. And it's, it has a root, the root word is rapio. And that's the word where you get the you know, from the Latin where we get the English word rapture. So from the Latin Vulgate, I know I'm, I'm giving, this is, this is kind of the uh, extended version, but somebody tells you, well, the word rapture isn't found in the Bible. Well, if you have the Latin Vulgate Bible, then you have rapimer, which its root is rapio, where we get the English word rapture. So it's in the Bible if you have the Latin Vulgate. Anyways, shall be caught up. It just speaks of the fact that we're going to be raptured. We're going to be taken from this planet. And some things that we need to differentiate as we, and he, as we consider the two events. The rapture of the church takes place, as I mentioned, prior to the tribulation. 
the second coming of Jesus Christ takes place after, at the end of, and actually puts an end to the tribulation. That's when the Lord returns and he puts an end to the, tri the tribulation period, which is a seven-year period in and of itself. The rapture is when Jesus Christ comes back for his church, for you and I. The second coming of Jesus Christ, the Lord uh, comes back with his church. Um, so he raptures his church, and then there's at least seven years, as far as the, the, time, you know, the time frame, there's at least seven years between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus Christ. But when the Lord returns at the second coming, we are with him. And Judah says, behold, he cometh with ten thousands of his saints. That's you and I, that's his people. That's Revelation 19. He comes back, but we're with him. So the rapture, he comes back for us. At the same coming, we come back with him after a, at least seven years, a seven-year period there in, in heaven with our Lord and Savior. The rapture of the church <clears throat> takes place. We're on planet Earth. We're caught up, and the Lord meets us in the clouds. He meets us in the atmosphere. That is the rapture. The second coming of Jesus Christ, uh, he returns to this planet, and he literally steps foot. His first footprint will be on the Mount of Olives. It's going to cause uh, a splitting from the east to the west. There's going to be a fracture. And that geological fracture is there right now, by the way. Geologists have found that fracture on the top of the Mount of Olives. It splits it. And it will split the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives will move to the north and to the south. And then the Lord will move right down into, Jeru excuse me, down into Jerusalem. And we'll be with him to set up his kingdom. So uh, those are two completely different events. The rapture of the church is when Jesus Christ comes back to rapture you and me. We need rescuing, don't we? <laughs> you look at the world, especially in California, man. We need rescuing. We've got a wild governor over there. But we, we need rescuing. The rapture is when we're rescued as the church. The second coming of Christ at the end of the tribulation is when he rescues the Jews. And we see those promises in the Old Testament. And every one of them will be fulfilled. When the Lord returns and sets up that millennial kingdom, every one of the promises to the Jews, to Abraham their father, will all be fulfilled during that time. And we're going to rule and reign with him as co-heirs with Christ. The rapture of Jesus Christ is signless. That means it is imminent. It can take place at any moment. There is nothing, uh, there's no precursor where something has to take place before it. It could take place at any moment. The second coming of Jesus Christ, at the end of the tribulation, there are six seals, Revelation 6 through 19, six seal judgments, six trumpet judgments, I'm sorry, seven, seven. This chapter 6 begins the trumpet, begins the seals. Six seal judgments. There are seven seal judgments. I'll get it right. Seven trumpet judgments and seven bowl or vile judgments. All of those will transpire before the second coming of Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation. And among those, it is, uh, even there in chapter 6, we have the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the white horse rider, the antichrist. The, 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 the red horse of war, wars, rumors of war, but the real thing, world, world war, horrible times, wars like we haven't seen before. Uh, then you've got the black horse, famine, pestilence, 
And then you got the pale horse or the chloros. In, in the Greek, it's chloros. It's a, a pale green. It's a, a gangrene color. And you've got the, the, the pale horse riding, and his name is death, and hell follows him. So as he rides through, people are one-fourth of the earth's population is going to be eliminated, exterminated at that time. That is mind-boggling. It's beyond our imagination to even conceive of. But they, are, they die, death rides, and hell follows, and those individuals go straight to hell. So there's a, and you've got, in Revelation 9, you've got the demonic horde released from the bottomless pit, and they go out throughout the world. And you've got there at the, um, I believe it's Revelation 16, you know, to get to the end of the, the vile judgments, the whole, there's the talent, see, as far as the, the talent weight or hailstones, uh, approximately a talent in weight, which is 100 pounds. You think of the, the golf ball size hailstones, they'll, you know, some of you see those in Texas, I don't know if you have them around here, uh, where they dimple a car lot, you know, or they'll devastate some crops or whatever, but 100 pound chunks of ice, can you imagine? And it also speaks of an earthquake that just basically flattens everything anyway, that the cities of the nations are going to fall. Every mountain, there's going to be geological changing. Uh, the islands, are, there's going to, they're going to be shifting. So none of those, that, that hasn't happened yet. That happens after the rapture and during the tribulation period. Something else that is important for us to understand regarding the difference between the, the rapture and the second coming is that the rapture is it's in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. First Corinthians 15. It's in a, it's a, in the Greek it's an atomos. It's in a split second. It is, it's just a fraction of a second. The rapture will take place. So it's something, it's not something that people see. The Lord coming, you know, where it's a visible event. It's invisible, but we are instantly removed. In a, a moment, twinkling light, we're gone, we're with the Lord, and it's, that's it. But the second coming of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us every eye will see him. Revelation chapter 1, every eye will see him. The kingdoms of the earth, man, they're going to mourn because of him. But they're going to see him. We see that also in Psalm, in Psalm 2. And that the Antichrist at that time, you know, you think people will be repentant because they see him coming, but the Antichrist is able to, to marshal the armies of the earth in opposition to Christ. And we see God's response to that. It says that he's going to laugh. That's going to be a wonderful sound, isn't it? To hear God laugh, and he laughs at the Antichrist and his forces, and all these little green army men, you know, set up to take on God. It doesn't work real well. It doesn't work good at all. So obviously they're defeated. But so every eye will see him when he at the end of the, the tribulation period. Now I'd like you to turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 24. So often we wonder about the timing of the rapture. And no man knows the day or the hour. Mike's told you that. No man knows that. You've, you've studied scripture. You know that no man can predict it. People have made fools of themselves doing so. You know, these, these guys that write books and so forth and predict. No man, can, no man knows the day or the hour. But the Lord has let us know regarding the last times what it would be like. And uh, we know from Scripture 
I mean, Hebrews tells us, there's several portions that tell us we're in the last days right now. From the time of Christ until he returns, we're in the last days. We're in a time of grace, the church age, which is a glorious time to be here. But things are going to change. And uh, it will, uh, once the church is removed, you see, then it's a whole, it's a completely different situation. The age of grace is gone, and you've got the tribulation period. Well, anyways, here in Matthew chapter 24, it tells us this in verse 44. Therefore, be you also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Let's continue here. So, it's in an hour when you think not. Verse 50, uh, 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing, you know, occupying until he comes. Verily I say, or truly I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant, notice the terminology, evil servant, shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. The individual that says the Lord is delaying his coming, that's an evil servant. You don't want to be that individual. If that servant says, hey, the Lord's delaying his coming, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and to drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut himself asunder, cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, several years ago, an individual asked me, you know, in your, in your study of Scripture, what do you think is, is the one verse as far as the, the pre-rapture position? Uh, what would you say is the one verse that you would take, hold on to, or, you know, teach on, or what, what would you give me as far as the one verse that proves uh, that the rapture is, is going to take place before the tribulation, pre-tribulational viewpoint? This is it, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, over the years, like many of you, I've heard great expositional teachers, guys that are phenomenal uh, students of God's word, especially in the teaching and the understanding of eschatology. You're far more intelligent than I am and have a greater understanding. And they'll, they'll talk to you about the Greek and the, the prepositions and the, 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 the verbs, the nouns and all. And I, look, I'm not a Greek scholar. I don't pretend. Well, I kind of pretend to be, I guess. Not, but um, I'm not. Um, and these guys, you know, I think of Thomas Ice, um, uh, Don Stewart. There's, there's a lot of... In the, Years ago, when uh, Chuck Missler was still on the planet, when he was, uh, and these guys I listened to for many, and it's like I go, wow, these guys are so brilliant. I don't understand a word they're saying. And the twelve apostles were just fishermen for the most part, and they understood the rapture, they understood what the Lord was talking about. They none of them were Greek scholars, and so in my mind, you know, there's got to be something that I can hold on to, Lord. And there, I believe I wrote down a couple of pages. I'm not going to go over it, just one of them. Um, I got a few minutes, but look, uh, with the, 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 the pre-tribulational viewpoint, 
there are many verses. There are many reasons why I believe that it's uh, a pre-tribulational rapture. But the one that I believe is, for me personally, is the one that I hang my hat on is, is right here. In such an hour as you think not. And here's the deal. The mid-tribulationalist will tell you that the rapture of the church cannot take place until it, it has to be, it, it can't take place for at least three and a half years. And backing up just a little bit, what did we just read? It's the evil servant that says the Lord delays his, his return. Having just read that passage in Matthew 24, from, from that standpoint, from that biblical perspective and understanding, anybody that says there's a delay connected with it, I've got to reject that. I've got to reject that viewpoint. The mid-tribulationalists tell you there's a, it's a three and a half, it's at least three and a half years before the Lord returns. The pre-wrath position, it's, it's beyond. It's past the three and a half years. And then the post-tribulationalists will tell you that the Lord cannot come back until at the end of the tribulation. But all three of those viewpoints, there's a delay. And I can't get around this. And I remember I was just talking to Don Stewart about that. You know, and some of you guys probably know who he is. Go look at it. And uh, I don't, I've never heard anybody, nobody's been able to answer that question for me. If you're a, it's like, how do you get around this and, and say the Lord's delaying with, and think that you're not disobeying what the Lord has said here? The evil servant, he's the one that's depicted as the one that says that the Lord's delaying his return. So it, it, it's from what the Lord has taught us, as we just read, he, the, the wicked servant, it's the evil servant that places, there, there's a delay connected with it. Now, in Revelation 22, and this is another reason, so I'm going to give you a couple reasons why I believe. But Revelation 22, last chapter in the Bible, Jesus, three times, he tells us that his coming is quickly. Now, he says, behold, I come quickly, twice in that chapter. And the last time he says, surely, I, surely I come quickly. The word quickly in the Greek is without delay. So I, I, I just can't believe any theory or any position that connects a delay to his return. The Lord can come back to me. And not only that, but we do, what we read in 1 Thessalonians 4, remember Paul the Apostle, he said, we which are alive and remain, the coming of the church, the rapture. Paul put himself in that category that, it, he could, that the rapture of the church could have taken place during his, during his day. We which are alive and remain. And the tribulation didn't start in his day. Didn't start, didn't end in his day. So that can't be a precursor. Paul would have had to have said, oh, well, in the future. No, he said we. Because even at that time, the Lord could have returned for his church. So it's at any moment. Now, um, just about ready to end here. But I, I think it's, you know, in these last days, I, I can't help but I'm going to give you just a couple things, you know, I've been hearing about, you know, because uh, you guys, we, most of you probably uh, read the news like I do and stuff. And, you know, if you, uh, a few, this was just, a, I think, two months ago, approximately, maybe a little less than that. But uh, in an interview, I believe it was on CNN, which I very seldom watch, but uh, Brian Deese, the director of the U.S. National Economy, uh, when asked about the, the gas prices, you know, California is still in the uh, over $5. It's like, man, it's unbelievable here, but the gas price is still over $5 a gallon there. But when ta they asked him about the gas prices, uh, this is what he said. 
and I quote, this is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm. The liberal world order. President Biden has talked about the liberal world order. What's the, what's the liberal world order? Where's the capital? Who's the prime minister? Who's the president? What's their currency? They don't, they don't have any. None of those things. But they're going to. They're going to. And the new world order, the liberal, they can call it whatever they want. It's what Daniel said and predicted in Daniel chapter 2, also in chapter 7. It's a 10-world, uh, it, it is a 10-nation um, a confederacy, a revised Roman Empire. That's what it is. The prince of the, it, it, Daniel chapter 9, the prince of the people that will come, the prince of the people that shall come. It's a Rome, it, the prince that came first time, Titus Aspasian, 70 AD, the people, the prince that will come in the future, as far as from, 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 from a prophetic standpoint, oh, but got, barely got that out. Uh, that, he'll also be, it'll be a revised Roman Empire. He'll be the one that is in charge. He's going to be ruling the world. And uh, another quote from a, political, from a political standpoint. So we know that that 10-nation uh, confederacy, the revised Roman Empire, will come to the fore in the last days. And, you know, Charlemagne, the Holy Roman Empire, he gave it a shot a couple hundred years ago, longer than that now. Uh, he tried to get a kind of the new world order, a new, a revised Roman Empire. It didn't work. Napoleon gave it a shot also. didn't work. Last one to try it was uh, Adolf Hitler. And along with, uh, I think you could put Mussolini in that group too, those two guys. But it didn't work for them either. But in the future, there will come an individual where it will work because he'll be Satan incarnate, and Satan will give him his power to do so. But um, this is also a few months ago at the, the G7 summit, the leader of France, Emmanuel Macron, suggested creating a revised Roman Empire. And having made that statement, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of England, he thought that was a great idea. He said, okay, so, 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 he think, oh gosh, how did you come up with that? Look, it's just, you know, the devil manipulating his kids, and uh, he's going he's gonna to pull it off sooner, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. But the Bible tells us, and in closing, in uh, Matthew 21, or excuse me, Luke 21, when you see these things begin to come to pass, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. And for us as God's people, we're not looking for the Antichrist, we're looking for Jesus Christ, we're looking for his return. That is the blessed hope of the believer, that, look, as bad as it gets, we're the bride of Christ. Uh, we're, we're his kid. We are, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the fact that we're your kids and, Lord, that you're, you're coming back for us. And, Lord, may our lights, uh, lamps be full, lights burning for you, that we might, in these last days, be used for your glory. And I pray, uh, thank you so much for this fellowship, the body here, and just their, uh, their, their discipline in your word and their uh, desire to, to receive in their hearts, Lord, I just, I just pray for a blessing upon this fellowship, God. Thank you for it, and pray that you continue to minister as we fellowship tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We learned, number one, that jet lag kicks in between the sixth and seventh bowl judgments. That, we learned that one. But one thing that um, Pastor Mark has always taught me about the rapture is in first, is verse 18, of chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, these, 
are very powerful truths. We've talked about them ourselves when we went through Revelation, when we went through Daniel here. And th- these, these are very heavy prophecies uh, about many lives that are lost. And as Pastor Mike's, Mark said, damned to hell without Jesus Christ. And we know that all of us deserve that judgment. There's no one that's better than another, but that our only salvation is through Jesus Christ. And so we're to do what the scripture tells us, knowing these times draw near to occupy until he comes, to share this gospel, this message, and comfort one another with these words. Uh, There's some of you that may be hearing these things for the first time here, and then there's others here I know that are... um, that the Lord has gifted you with prophecy and you are deep into it. And so we want to r- remind ourselves and the Holy Spirit to work in us as we continue to go into the communities and pray for one another and share this message. This is the only way out is Jesus Christ. He is the only way of salvation. And we need to teach it, share it, live it, and comfort one another with these words. And so I'm so grateful the Lord has used Pastor Mark to teach me these things. I know you can even hear as he's speaking things that I have ripped off from him over the years. And um, we just praise God for all of it. It's all for his glory. We're going to close in prayer. We'll have um, intercessory prayer next week. Uh, let's close in prayer, and then I'll make some more announcements. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Father, we pray that you would continue to fill us with your spirit. Continue to give us wisdom with the times in which we are living, the urgency of the gospel, Lord to save as many as possible until your glorious return. We pray that you would continue to guide and direct us and that you would use us for your glory and your purposes in Jesus' name. Amen. So Pastor Mark, he'll be up here. He, you can, if you have questions, if you need references, if you want to know his other three pages of notes, come up here, talk to him. Also, Kurt is in town from Calvary Relief. He's here. If you want to talk to him, we've, we've given opportunities to go out. I know several people have reached out to him um, to do different mission uh, stuff. He doesn't know it, but he'll be up here to answer questions. Also, he's going to put some uh, car prayer cards in the back. And then always we want to be praying for our missionaries, praying for one another, praying for those that are in authority. I'll be up here and others too. We could share stories. Uh, just see what the God's doing in your life. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.